Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. And and I know we joke about this every time we, we start to record. I'm like, I'm not going to ask about the weather, but I haven't asked you in a few weeks. How is the weather there in, in the height of winter? Uh, I can say that I'm not loving winter. We go from frozen to mud and back to frozen. Uh, you know, it, it's lovely and fulfilling to be a horse owner, but these aren't the most exciting days to be a horse owner. We'll put it that way. <laughs> well, we did do some podcasts leading up to winter. So I, I, I asked that. So if owners are struggling a little bit, you know, they can go back and, and listen to those podcasts. And hopefully we give you some good tips getting through winter with your horses. But today we're going to talk about junior horses. And that's kind of a broad category. So just to kick this off, what do you consider a junior horse? Well, I'm going to be honest, Chris, I'd never considered a junior horse at all. Uh, This Mm -hmm. was a listener request. So hopefully in answering this, we've got the general idea in mind. Uh, Because I mean, there's no scientific definition or NRC category that is junior horse. But what kind of broadly comes in mind for me uh, would be the horse who is probably yearling to two-year-old, maybe three-year-old if we're talking about a slower maturing breed. So one who's past, you know, the super, super fast growth of a foal or weanling, but is maybe not quite fully mature and into that kind of mature adult phase would be what I think of as junior horse. What about you? Yeah. I, when I, when I first heard that, I was thinking yearlings, you know, long yearlings, you're right, two-year-old kind of until they really stop growing, right? And last week we talked about that when we were talking about the different life stages. Now, I know last week we we, we talked about this a little bit, but it's so important. So I think it, it's really worth reiterating. And that is, what, what are some of the most important considerations when it comes to feeding young horses? When we're feeding young horses, really the goal is to meet their non-energy nutrient needs amino acids, trace minerals, vitamins, and those are more concentrated relative to the mature horse. So you think about it, it makes sense. They're building muscle, they're building bone, they're building tendons and ligaments. They need extra nutrients to do that. And then the other part of that component is providing enough energy or calories to support steady growth without supporting overly fast growth. So Kind of when it comes to developmental orthopedic disorders, for a long time we thought fast growth was, you know, the big issue. And what it really appears to be are these massive growth spurts. So to a certain extent, some of that's genetically programmed. We don't have a lot of control over it. But to the extent that we have control, if we're providing a diet that provides all their micronutrients and then is a lower NSC, so fat and fiber for calories that's going to promote the most steady growth possible, which is going to reduce your risk of developmental orthopedic disorders. Yeah. And just to, to remind listeners, we did do an episode on foals. Uh, we, we dropped it on May 13th of 2021. So we did review DODs quite a bit in that one too. So if it is a concern for you, for you please go back and listen to that podcast and it will reinforce some of uh, you know these concepts. But I think one of the the concerns, so as a nutritionist, 
how would you best advise owners to monitor proper growth rates? And just to, to remind listeners, I think last week you mentioned, you know, we always typically say the growth plates, which is on the bones, close around five years of age with horses. Some of these slower developing breeds uh, that could go out to eight years, but how can they best monitor that? So, you know, we're, we're not messing them up, you know, with their diet. Talking about growth plates, those are our final growth plate closures. There's a lot of other ones that occur along the way sooner. Um, so it'd certainly be common to, you know, take radiographs to see if knees are closed before starting real work, things like that. Really what we are doing is monitoring their body condition score. So ideally we're going to keep them at a body condition score of really four to five when they're growing. Uh, there are cases like if you are showing that you are pushing that a little higher, it's less than ideal. Um, so if we keep them right around a five or even a tick under, certainly no thinner than a four, that's going to be providing enough calories to support growth without over providing calories. So, you know, the way you can do that is actually feeling for the ribs, taking frequent photos, things like that. And if you notice that they start to get a little bit overweight, you might think about backing down their concentrate a little bit, or you might find you need to shift from a growth feed to a ration balancer. Maybe the growth feed is just too many calories. Uh, But if we can do that to promote that steady rate of growth, that's going to be the best way to minimize our risk of issues developing. That doesn't mean that they might not develop. So let's talk about nutrition and growing horses. It's risk management. You're going to see less issues show up as they get older. So when we're talking about yearling into two-year-olds, you're less likely to have an issue show up for the first time. Doesn't mean it's impossible. But if you think about it, your issues are more likely to happen when they're in their really rapid growth phases. Uh, So we certainly see the majority of issues crop up as weanlings, and then we're probably managing them as they continue through their growth rather than issues showing up for the first time in a horse who's 18 months old. But regardless, managing the risk is a lower NSC feed fed at a quantity that maintains their body condition without over conditioning them. Now, taking all that into consideration... You know, I guess just for your typical young horse, you know, we can say American quarter horse, what would be a proper feeding plan for them or a general feeding plan for them? So the foundation is going to be good quality forage. Ideally, I mean, as much forage as they can eat, uh, certainly turnout on pasture is appropriate, good quality hay. You're going to choose your concentrate based on the type of forage you're feeding. So we have products that are designed for horses who are eating a primarily grass hay versus products that are balanced to a a primarily legume, which is usually alfalfa type hay. So good quality forage in plenty of quantity. And then after that, we want to fill in the gaps. The gaps are amino acids, trace minerals, and vitamins. They're going to be larger gaps than in our mature horse because we're supporting all of that growth. So really the two categories of feed I look at are ration balancers for the easy keeper type or growth feed for the harder keeper type, the ones who need calories plus nutrients. But I mean, there are a lot of horses that 
from the pregnant broodmare all the way through their growth that because they have that lower metabolism and good quality forage, they only need a ration balancer. You just end up feeding it at a little higher rate than you would the mature horse simply because they have those greater needs. But that's ultimately what I look at. Good quality forage, minimizing NSCNR concentrate, making sure we choose a concentrate that we can feed enough of to get all of those good growth supporting nutrients into them. Now, how would you adjust that when they, you know, some started training, what, 18 months, you know, these long yearlings entering that two-year-old year, how could that be adjusted? I guess, what would some of those nutrient requirements change and how would you approach that? Well, now we're bringing some controversy in, Chris. So that's, it's an interesting question. (laughs) I mean, it is. What is the appropriate age to start a horse? There's some research on the thoroughbred side that, you know, some level of work when they're younger helps them hold up longer. There's certainly breed differences, right? The faster maturing ones who are geared towards fraternity type disciplines, you'd start sooner than a big, slow maturing warm blood maybe. But regardless, when we're thinking about a horse who's still growing relatively rapidly and is going into work... The type of work those horses are going into is really very low uh, intensity type of work. So, you know, they're, they're learning to wear a saddle, they're getting ponied, they're, you know, very light riding. So the good news there is that yes, their nutrient demands are high just as a function of growing, but even as they enter work as long yearlings, the amount of additional nutrient expenditure, very, very tiny. So sometimes they need additional calories when they begin doing that. So you would simply just increase the amount of growth pellet you were feeding. So if you had been feeding five pounds, they might need six or seven pounds to support that additional energy expenditure. But overall, if they are still in that category of what we're calling junior horses. So they haven't reached mature Mm -hmm. stage, even as they enter work, I'm going to keep them on a feed, either ration balance or growth that's developed with those higher nutrient requirements in mind. And I'm just going to feed a little bit more of it. Okay. 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 No more curveballs, but (laughs) uh, we're not meant to be controversial. It's just, you know, there are owners that, that start training that young. No. And I'm joking, Chris. I mean, I know that's the reality of owning horses and they do jobs and, and it's a very fair question, but like, I don't know, we might get some pitchforks for even talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I remember we were doing some research, you know, it's like, you know, do you start them early? And what does that mean? You know, metabolically, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, switching gears a little bit. And again, trying to think of the listener, are supplements safe to give to these young horses or some of these feed additives that are included in some of the tribute line. You know, I'm thinking fly control, but, uh, you know, pre-probiotics, constant comfort, is that safe to give to a young horse? Or would you even give that to a young horse? Yeah, those are all great questions. So going down the line, fly control, you know, it depends on the type of fly control. Some of the older generation of fly control products, there was actually uh, research and, and real life scenarios that showed they caused developmental issues. Uh, so Raybon, for example, we definitely would not feed to a growing horse. Diflubenzeron, which is what's in Clarifly, you know, that is not labeled for 
the pregnant mare or the growing horse. There's been a lot of research in other species that suggest it does not impact growth in any way. And there's certainly lots of horses out in the field that are fed diflubenzeron, but is not technically labeled for that. Uh, Pre and probiotics would definitely be appropriate. Any of the feed additives, obviously, that we're putting in any feed that could be used for growth. So growth pellet, growth, uh, growth textured, essential K, wholesome blends, all of those are appropriate for the growing horse because part of the product development process is saying, okay, here's the, the wide range of horses this could be fed to. Let's make sure it is safe for all those horses. Constant comfort. I will tell you one of the things that, you know, was front of mind when developing that product, specifically the block, was that if you're going to put a block out free choice that has a high amount of calcium as a buffer, so that marine derived calcium, I am worried about the calcium to phosphorus ratio in both the pregnant and lactating mare and the growing horse. So if you look at that product, there is an added amount of phosphorus to make sure it's in balance because it's offered free choice. Constant comfort top dress, we're controlling the amount, absolutely appropriate. Again, keeping in mind, we have to look at the total diet, calcium to phosphorus ratio at the same time. So there are supplements that are definitely appropriate for the growing horse. I would say... Ideally, you don't have to feed very many of them um, simply because it's a, a keep it simple type thing. So if you're feeding a high quality product from a reputable source that's designed for a growing horse, you shouldn't have to be adding extra basic nutrition through supplements. And in fact, you can definitely cause some issues doing so. Because some of those ranges we're working in in the growing horse are a lot tighter in terms of the safe range than we are the adult horse. So ideally I would say, yep, there are some supplements that we can feed, um, but I'd want to be pretty mindful doing so in the growing horse. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. That's a great point. Now thinking about, you know, if, if my young horse has a DOD, you know, what are some of the feeding strategies you would approach with that type of horse? You know, there's, there's still some bad information that floats out there about mm -hmm. feeding the horse with DOD. Um, you know, the take all their grain away and just feed them oats and bad hay and, and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, first you identify like, what's the most likely reason that a DOD developed it, And there's lots of different reasons that they do. It's multifactorial. And then you identify, are there ways that I can adjust the horse's current diet in order to minimize the impact of that DOD or reverse it if it is nutritionally related. I will give you a really great example of a case that I consulted on where, you know, there's this group of horses, they were weanlings, and they were thin and rough looking, but every time the owner tried to feed more of a growth product that seems like it would be appropriate, their joints just blew up well, this, this is weird. Let's, you know, see what's going on. And as part of that, we took some hay samples and eyeballing it. Um, you would think that the growth product developed to be fed with a grass hay would be appropriate because it was mostly grass with some clover. And remember clover is a legume. And our, our rule of thumb is you switch to the alpha products at more than 50% legume. This was visually a lot less than 50%, but I'll be darned if that 
hay analysis didn't show close to five parts calcium to one part phosphorus. Our goal is two parts calcium to one part phosphorus or below. So whenever they would add more growth, A, it allowed those horses to grow a little faster, but B, it added even more calcium on top of that and their joints would blow up. As soon as they transitioned onto the appropriate product, which was an alpha um, formulated product, they were able to add enough feed. Those horses then were able to grow without experiencing those joint issues. So fasciitis is what I'm referring to there. So that would be an example where I'm, I'm going to look at the total diet every time and make sure there's not something like that that isn't visually apparent, but comes out in the numbers. But after that, you know, my focus is not to slow down growth. So that that used to be what we did. And you essentially, you have to dramatically reduce calorie intake in order to appreciably slow down growth. Well, that's not fun for the animal because basically you're to some extent starving it. And the other part of that spectrum is they have a genetic rate of growth that they're programmed for. And when you reintroduce that limiting nutrient, they experience what's called compensatory gain. Basically, the body catches up really quick to where they were supposed to be anyways. And as we've talked about, it's not necessarily the rate of growth that's the problem. It's the really fast growth spurts. So now we've taken a horse who has a DOD of some type. And then we restricted them, slowed them down, and then they grow super fast again, which probably exacerbates the DOD that we were trying to deal with in the first place. So we're going to look at providing enough calories to give a steady rate of gain and then making sure their micronutrient cup is full. This is definitely something I see less in the junior horse if we're talking about yearling plus compared to the weanling. Um, but it does occasionally happen where, you know, fasciitis or a little bit of contracted tendons occurred because basically they grew faster than their nutrient supply was able to keep up with. So if we look at really fortifying our trace minerals and vitamins, it helps them fill that nutrient cup back up and kind of get nutrients versus growth and balance. So I'm either going to do that one or two ways, maybe both ways, uh, I'm going to rely more heavily on a ration balancer fed at a relatively high rate. And then I'm also sometimes going to come in with advanced paste, which is a tube of really concentrated minerals and vitamins. And it just really helps us bring that nutrient cup full a lot more quickly than we might be able to otherwise, but in a very balanced fashion. Now, very useful tips, very useful tips. And I, and I know owners do run into that. Now, just to kind of wrap this all up, you know, feeding strategies for our younger horses, do we feed them like our, our adult mature horses or are there any things that, anything that you would change differently? In general, yes. I mean, you know, you, you want good access to quality forage, feed multiple meals per day. Remember that if your average size horse, their stomach capacity is about five pounds per meal. We're going to have to scale that down because these animals are generally smaller. Uh, access to clean, fresh water, parasite control programs, so important in your growing horse. So all of those are things that are part of your basic feeding management program that oftentimes are really amplified if they aren't quite right in the growing horse relative to the mature horse. So certainly giving good attention to that as well. 
No, all great tips, Nicole. Thank you so much. And just a reminder, you know, the last couple of podcasts, we mentioned it, you know, we were in a top 10 horse podcast list from Feedspot. So we told them we would mention that in our to our listeners. So you can go there in the show notes. There'll be a link you can click on there to see if there's any other horse podcasts that you want to start listening to uh, that can help you. And again, you know, Dr. Rambo and myself, we do this because, you know, we just want to promote you know, proper nutrition and, you know, safe and happy and healthy horses. So so thank you so much, uh, you know, for listening and stay tuned next week for another great episode. Thanks, Chris.